0: Okay, welcome to the XX Mormon Podcast. We are joined again by Samuel the Lamanite, who's here to talk to us a little bit about uh, spirituality post-Mormonism. So welcome back, Samuel. How have you been?
1: I am doing very well. I'm honored to be invited back. Um, I feel like you've had very, very um, smart guests on before. And I every time I listen to them, I'm I was, I'm always like, oh, I feel so dumb. But we're <laughs> back, we're back. You know yeah. what? I may not be as educated as them, if they're they're doing so much research, but uh, I mean research before. But um, I feel like you've never had a a high, someone that's been high on your podcast before. So we gotta try that out. You know what I mean? It's a, Are you high right now? Oh yeah.
0: Okay, in the you know, afternoon. the afternoon.
1: I Had to start early, and um, I, I had to step the game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we, especially if we're going to be talking about spirituality.
0: Okay. But, um, yeah. Yeah. That... <laughs> so, where do you want to do? You want to start talking about like your views on spirituality in the church, and then we can get into what they're like now. Now that you've left.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I remember just being like, whenever people would talk about like being spiritual, I always just related that to experiences and stuff or just like you feel the spirit when you read or when you pray right like mm-hmm. you're supposed to feel like it's burning but your your bosom is supposed to be burning right so i just remember that you can't associate feeling spiritual with um without doing certain things like reading the um seeing the hymns reading the scriptures praying or like giving someone a blessing you know and then um I guess because those, they happen so rarely. And whenever you did do it, like if it was like a powerful blessing, you know, I guess maybe it's a little bit easier for men to feel it because the church is kind of constructed for men to, you know, have the priesthood and give these blessings out. And you have like everyone hugging you, or like when you get confirmed to be a deacon or a teacher, like everyone goes around and hugs you after you get blessed. So I remember being mm-hmm. feeling like, oh, that's really good. So I think what I was well, I thought it was spiritual. I think it was more just like a kind of like a love confirmation thing because all your leaders are hugging you and like, I'm proud of you, you know? And mm-hmm. I think the feeling that you get, that spiritual feeling you get is when everyone's just telling you like, hey, uh, like, wow, like this is so great that you're moving up in like this, our culture, you know? So I think, I think like I it, s-
0: it feels good to make progress. It feels good to, yeah. uh, to meet expectations, but I think like Mormonism frames all spirituality in terms of feelings, right? Oh yeah. Of it course. makes us feel a certain way. You're spiritual. If you feel a certain way you're spiritual, if you can make other people feel a burning in their bosom, that makes you spiritual, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. And I remember being
1: like, I associated that because I remember growing up thinking that was a spirit, but in actuality, I was just getting well from people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah,
0: you're it's a similar thing if you're on a team and you uh, you play your position well or you score a goal, you know everybody's gonna be happy and and cheering for you. and if you do well on a test at school, if you meet expectations and please the community, you're gonna feel that way, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. and that's why you don't feel the spirit every time because, well, I guess for me, because I'm just talking about my personal experiences. You know, maybe people actually did feel something, they did feel like something enlightened. But mm-hmm. for me, I was always like, I want to keep chasing that feeling, but I can't really mm-hmm. do that when I'm alone. You know what I mean? If I'm praying or reading the scriptures, like maybe if I share my testimony about it, then they'll should be like, oh, thank you for sharing that with, with, with us. That was such a powerful thing you mm-hmm. shared. Then that's when I would feel it. So it was always like a constant chase of feeling that yeah because when people would talk about like oh like i was crying and the spirit hit me so strong like i had never felt that so i was just mm-hmm. like I, if I, am i doing something wrong so that already creates like a toxic type of thing so and
0: so like no, i know no. i always felt i would have spiritual experiences when i'd be reading the scriptures or praying and i'd have some kind of uh like a Eureka moment, I would have solved a problem or something like that in my mind. And so then even for a while after the mission and stuff like that, I would read something like in a, in a business magazine or a management book. And I have like a Eureka experience and I'd be like, this must be God telling me what I need to do in my career. And then I'd go to work and try and implement these things. And it just wouldn't work out as brilliantly as what I thought. And it started to cause a bit of a disconnect of like, how come I'm feeling like how I feel when I read the scriptures, but everything's becoming a disaster. Not necessarily a disaster, but like nothing's working out. Like I'm having these Eureka moments, but the idea is not working out as well in practicality as what I thought it would in my head. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that
1: that creates like a paradox. It's so weird. mm
0: So now that you've left the church, like where, what, how do you define spirituality now?
1: Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. I'm, I'm like, what's enough about the the depressing stuff? Like because spirituality is actually something that's super cool and like beautiful. But I guess in the church, I, I remember leaving first leaving the church and being like, I guess spirituality is just only for, it's a religious thing, you know? OK, that, that's that's all I thought about. I was like, I guess, like, I'm just not a spiritual person. When people talk about that type of stuff, they're only meaning religion. But I guess I met a few people who are very spiritual and they're not religious at all. You know, some of them are agnostic. Some of them are atheists. I remember being like, wait, how? Um,
0: well, can, how can I just you even uh, get to that point? Can I Let's, can I just ask you and I got to put the screws to you a little bit here. Spirituality is almost like a meaningless word to me because people mm-hmm. you'll, I, you're not the only person who I've heard say, you know, I know some atheists who are very spiritual. When you say they're spiritual, what are they doing? What is the spirituality that you're talking about?
1: Oh, God. Well, most of them are doing psychedelics, not all of them, but. Okay. <laughs> like, you're going to have some of the stereotypical people who are like Pink Floyd, you know, while they're taking certain substances. Yeah. And you're going to have some of those, you know, you're going to be like, oh, man, you know, peace and love, like very much. So spirituality
0: point. is like peace and love or what? No, like no. A, wait, wait. this is what I mean is that people talk about spirituality, but they never define what spirit like. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about these people being spiritual, what, what are they doing? That is spiritual. They love people. They feel peaceful feelings. They do drugs. What, what <laughs> makes them spiritual? Like what <laughs> is this spirituality? Cause oh, I think on, it's hold. like, I can still be spiritual without religion. It's like, what the hell is spirituality without religion? No, what exactly, is this no. elusive thing you do yoga yeah. in the forest like and now you're like what i do you do shrooms like <laughs> and see,
1: teach see, me see, <laughs> the, 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 see the, the, that was my thing when they were first telling me about this because i i no. have people like that do do drugs and they say they're spiritual than other people who, who don't and they're like i'm super spiritual so i was like you i was like like i don't get how this will make sense like am i supposed to just like transcend and lay on my bed and like see god or something but Mm -hmm. i I think while i I think they just associate spirituality with peace and i think i've been abrupt in my own head like it doesn't have to be something super complicated like as long Mm -hmm. as you're just feeling peaceful like at one with yourself or nature like it doesn't necessarily there's not like really a definition like maybe there is but it's you get in touch with your inner self your mental self And I think that's what it was for me because I remember being like, spirituality has to be this big thing that comes about from a higher power. But I think for me, it was more just getting in touch with like, when I feel peace, I'm like, Oh, I'm feel, I feel when I do certain things that make me feel at peace and make me feel like confident in myself. I think that's what, at least for me, that's what it means. Like, I feel like for other people, it's so complicated, but at least for me, I was like, I guess this is what it means to be spiritual. Just finding what makes you peaceful finding what makes you like kind of love yourself and taking time for yourself to wind down and take care of yourself. At least that's what it it is for me now. And I feel like before I just had such a complicated relationship with being spiritual because like, I was just like, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do. Like I don't understand how you can be spiritual. And like, I I, I mean, for me, like being outdoors, a lot of people associate that type of stuff with being spiritual, like going outside and going for a hike. Or like being in, being one of nature and God. But for me, I've never really been a fan of the outdoors like that. I've always just like, so what should I do? But so then it's what, really just kind of like meditating, kind of like zoning out, listening to music, just every single week doing a certain routine on the weekend before the week starts, just so, so like, I can like clear myself.
0: Like how is that different from self-improvement? Personal self
1: improvement. I, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, here's the thing maybe this is like the first time in my life I'm actually self improving without the church, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. And maybe, and that could be it because like my whole life I've just been like self improvement is being your scriptures and praying. But like I've been so much happier and I'm just in a much better place physically and mentally than I ever have been in my life. And maybe I'm like, I'm spiritual now because I feel good. I, I don't know but like i know i'm doing good like i know i barely think about the church as much as i used to like i'm like there's not there's not really as much anger or frustration there it's more just like confusion mm-hmm. but yeah you, you do bring up a good point like how is that different than self-improvement like i don't know maybe it's not but like and i just feel like a difference because i feel like self improvement there's like all these books where it's like these hardcore, like you have to wake up at four in the morning and go to bed at eight. And I don't know. I feel like self-improvement for me has always been just like a negative view of like, you have to pick yourself up. And if you feel like shit, you have to keep going. Mm-hmm. And I feel like spirituality is more just like you, you're choosing to do the things and you're not like, there's no one stressing you out to do it. Like you're doing it because you want to, and there's no, there's not a pressure on you. Because I feel like with religion, you do that because there's not supposed to be a pressure on you. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what being spiritual could mean. And self-improvement is more just like implementing habits in your life that make you better, whether or not you want to do them.
0: So it becomes spiritual when it's a conscious choice to do something. Not because your job or your religion or your school is making you do it. Like if I got you right on that. Um,
1: I yeah, you could say that. I think it's more just like there's not like a there's no, no I think being spiritual is more like there's not really a conscious choice. Like it just is like a part of you of like what you do. You know what I mean? Like
0: I don't I'm completely lost right now because first <laughs> you're talking about your spirituality being like taking time to plan your week and, no, no, not, and not taking time to get grounded and build good habits, but then spirituality's yeah, not just know. doing something because it's a habit. And now it's something that's intentional, but then it's not actually intentional.
1: No, 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 no. It, it's not intentional. Not not taking time to plan the week. Like planning the week stresses me out. Like let me give you an example. I think it's more time like on the weekend, I'm just going to like zone out for a minute. Like whether that's playing video games or listening to music and just kind of meditating, just laying on my bed, you know? Yeah. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. I think it's just kind of like a nice, I guess a lot of people, I mean, I've started to meditate more and I feel like I've that's a better example not like planning my week and making a conscious effort it just comes naturally to me on the weekend like one week i was not meditating and like kind of just getting in my zone but then the next week i was
0: so what is like what is meditation no because meditation i think is another bs word so what what when you say this word meditating what are you doing (laughs) Like meditating is yeah, just pseudo-Buddhist like, Buddhist shit that white people just love to fucking gobble up. No, 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 brother. <laughs> <laughs> to to kind brother, of be like I'm not like I'm not deals. religious I'm spiritual. It's like what the but, that doesn't mean anything. Is, well, I meditate, what, what does what that does, mean? While well, I do yoga, well, yoga is not meditation. Yoga is yoga. So what is like you just sit and overthink things? You ponder like what no, what is meditation? No, no. Okay,
1: for me, teach what me. I'll do is. I'll, I'll probably smoke a joint with a friend okay. and then we'll just put on a lot of music. Yeah. And then we'll either play video games and kind of shut off our minds from the world or I'll be in my bed and just get high before and just listen to music and just, just chill out and relax. That's what I, I, I probably that's not your usual way of meditating. These other people I kind of like to get a squat position and kind of just, you know, they're not on any substances or anything, but for me, it's more just like, you gotta get, you gotta be on something. Because if your mind is just how it is, you can't really go into a sort of state of mind where, like like you said, I don't really think that that would do anything for me. Like the typical meditation or yoga, like yoga is not going to do anything for me, let's be honest. Yeah. Like just putting on some like kind of trippy music or I don't know, music that you like while getting high and just like sitting down and doing an activity or just going about your normal day, like that helps and de-stresses me out for sure. If that makes any more sense.
0: It does. It does. I think I've had similar experiences partaking in, in cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, last night, even I had a revelation, um, and I actually uh, now understand eternity and uh, eternal life. Mm-hmm. Really? Are you? Yeah. Just, are, you, are you? Are you? bullshitting? Right? Really? No. No, we all live eternally. We all have an eternal life. That's See, that's what I'm talking What You just said when I talked about spiritual stuff, that's what I mean. Yeah. So getting high and having your mind opened. So this is, this is eternal life, right? So we know from the mm-hmm. laws of thermodynamics that matter and energy cannot be created or destroyed. They just change forms. So the atoms mm-hmm. that make up my body existed before I was born. And the atoms that make up my body and my consciousness will exist after I die and they will spread and disperse through decay and decomposition into other animals, which will be eaten and consumed by other animals and continue to spread throughout the whole earth. And that is how we continue. What makes us us continues to exist long after we're gone and spreads and disperses throughout the whole earth. And will mm-hmm. eventually disperse through the whole universe as the sun dies and goes supernova and blows everything up. The atoms that are me will exist on this Earth for time, but in a billion years they won't. They'll just be stardust again, and stardust is where we all came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know there's there's like this Greek parable of a ship. You have a ship, and it gets rebuilt over time, and eventually over time, there's no part of the original ship left because all of it has been rebuilt. So is this ship really the ship you started with? And it's the same thing. So, like with your body, you're shedding skin and cells and replacing them all the time. So the body that you live in now is not the same body that was there like a year ago. Uh huh. Yeah, it's different. So are you really even you, or are you a completely new organism? Yeah
1: what you just explained is that's a spiritual experience. Oh, I, I according to me, that's my definition or to you, like when you, when you think that and that, and that sudden thought comes to you, like what is eternal life? What is that? What do you think like, Oh, like I'm just high. Or do you think like, this is, has a deeper meaning?
0: I think that it's like, if I'm not high, it's just a smart ass answer to give to people who are religious but if I am, uh-huh. I, it becomes more profound. Right? So if it's like, what do you believe? I believe in eternal life. Well, what do you mean? I am just a certain number of atoms that has been organized in a certain way. And those atoms existed before I was born. And those atoms will exist after I'm dead. So what makes me, me w- existed before I was me and will exist after I'm me and will spread mm-hmm. and disperse throughout the great whole. Uh-huh. It's like Lion King stuff, right? Like, yeah the antelope eat the grass and we eat the antelope and then we die and become the grass and then the antelope eat us and it's all part of a circle of life yeah oh yeah and so when i when (laughs) look maybe this is just me
1: getting stoned but i'll have stuff like that where i'll be like we're all just like we're all just bricks in a wall like we're all just in a simulation where like we just get up and we have to make sure we have enough money to like eat and live like we're all miserable or some of us are happy but like None of us have like taken a dream. We've never dared to do something, but like, it's okay to be comfortable in this because if we become like uncomfortable in this, if our lives, then we'll like never be happy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's stuff like this that'll come to me. And mm-hmm. it usually th- these things will come to me if I'm like high or stoned. And then I think maybe again, I'm just being dumb. Maybe I'm just a stoner who thinks I'm being spiritual, but like, no, these are profound thoughts because like, I'll be sober and I'll think back on it. I'm like, no, like that makes sense. And obviously, there's times when I look back, I'm like, oh, no, I'm just being an idiot. But there have been times where I'm talking to my friends or I'm just by myself, like listening to music. And I'll think about like, like, here's an example. Like, I, I know I always bring it up. But like, like when I was like, when I was divorced and stuff, like it's been like over a year now. Mm-hmm. So like, I'll, I'll just sit back, like hit a joint, listen to music, kind of zone out playing video games. And I'll just kind of think about it. Because like, it's like, one, I don't think about it. Usually when I think about it when I'm sober, it's usually with a tang of regret or like lessons learned. But when I'm thinking about a high, it's more just like, let's look at the patterns that could have been avoided. And then let's look at like where it really started to go wrong and why wasn't there actions? Like why why wasn't I taking actions to fix it, you know, mm-hmm. when I should have? So like, I feel like that's not super sonarish. I feel like that's more just like I'm actually trying to think think something out like how I've matured and what I would do now in this type of situation. And I'm doing all that from like a positive point of view. Whereas when I'm sober, I'm usually looking at that like, oh, you're an idiot. Like you were not a good human being. But when I'm high, it's more just like, why was I making those decisions? Like what was happening in my
0: life that made me make those decisions? Okay. Um mm-hmm. So, I mean, like I'm like, I'm going through the wiki article on spirituality, right? Mm-hmm. And so spirituality, I guess what it started out was it was your spiritual as you kind of became a new person. It was about taking the old person and then making a new, becoming a new person, you know, rebuilt in the image of the deity, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's what spirituality was, was this religious process kind of like of repentance and trying to become a new person in the image of whatever God you followed. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But now it kind of is like this idea of trying to discover meaning. And that's what it sounds like happens when, when you're high, when you're stoned, you start to find these, you start to build and identify some kind of meaning. Is that right? Like, am I reading that right?
1: Yeah. You could say that for sure. Yeah, you could say that for sure.
0: So then and just the, one in the header of the Wiki article here. it's uh, So let's just see where this is. Modern usages tend to refer to a subjective experience of a sacred dimension and the deepest values and meanings by which people live, often in a context separated from organized religious institutions. This may involve belief in a supernatural realm beyond the ordinarily observable world, personal growth, a quest for an ultimate or sacred meaning, religious experience, or an encounter with one's own inner dimension. Yeah. So I think right now, like spirituality is basically like, if you're a white person, it's like, I've learned how to check my privilege and I now identify as a feminist. And that is like the spiritual yeah. idea based on the current cultural values that we have now. Me as like a regular white person, working guy i need to recognize all the privileges that i have and renounce my own misogyny and confess myself a feminist and that's like the new spiritual quest really yes as a white guy that's a spiritual no quest. No, to, like, no
1: no it's not it's not that's you've that's been how fooled. i become
0: a new creature in the image of the new god
1: no no right? no, no, no you've been you, you've no. been fooled my friend
0: by the mainstream tried,
1: media or what? By the mainstream media. Okay. you've okay. <laughs> they, they, been fooled. Because like okay. – I think there was this one time where I was thinking about this where I was just like, no, because like when, when – there was definitely a time when when like there must have been a time when no one like gave a shit about like people's skin color or sexuality and all that stuff. Like there must have been a time when people just lived in like in harmony or just – it was whatever. But now it's – You're high. This up. is how
0: I know you're high right now. Is that no, no, this is the greatest time of peace and prosperity. We have so much prosperity that people are developing anxiety disorders because they don't have anything to fight. Like show me a group of people that didn't just hunt and murder other groups of people. Listen, listen, you could point to the Western world for the last 50 years, but before that the Europeans were slitting each other's throats for like 3000 years. They've only been friends for like, 70 years. Mm-hmm. Europeans hate each other.
1: Like, no, if yeah, you go to hear. Europe,
0: the Italians hate the like, French, speaking, the French I'm speaking, hate I'm everybody.
1: i was speaking before everything. Before, before everything. that,
0: there were always Europeans in Europe killing each other, and before that, it was no. the freaking Mongols, and before that, it was the Celts, and before, no, no. like, on and until the, the Homo no. sapiens were, like, killing the Neanderthals. Like, show <laughs> me when we were just these, like, beautiful hunter-gatherer people, like the romantic image of, of the Native American people's oh, wait, they were killing each other too. The white man just came and, as it was, you know.
1: It, it was before humans were evolved. It was before when we were just animals, when we were all just lived in communities and there was no, no division. No, like even and then, there,
0: there were chimpanzees that had like a war. Let me Google that, the chimpanzee
1: it, it, war. It, No, 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 no you, you're right. There are Chimpanzees do have like tribal warfare, but we were all just yeah. one species. We didn't just hate each other for for one thing. It was more of like a group thing that they did you know because it was when, when chimpanzees did fight it was like tribal warfare it was never just like a one-on-one thing or that would be like a stand-up stand-up standoffish kind of thing that's what was like, a time when we were just like a community of whatever whatever we were whether that was show me that time
0: that time does well, not we exist
1: know, we, none, it must have been it must have existed because we what? all came we all originated and so there must have been a time we were all just we all looked the same and we all just kind of walked around and did whatever and then like in the Garden time, of Eden? No. <laughs> like. No. There was all a time when we were all one thing, and then we evolved into humans. And then, depending on where you live geographically, you become a certain um type of type of human, whether you know the skin color and everything. And then that's when I feel like division started to get worse, because at least before we were all just one thing, but now we all like you no, know, we we're weren't like races. we used to
0: live and interbreed with Neanderthals and other other hominids, and we used to kill them and, like, war with them. Really? Did we actually have, like, big wars, or you, did, or was it more just, like, tri- little tribal stuff? Does it matter? Like, what's the di- Like, if it's oh tribal, my. if it's a tribal battle versus, like, tanks, like, oh, well, if you're using tanks and mustard gas, that's really violent, but that's if you're di- just using yeah, spears, spears and clubs, yeah. then you're less violent? Like, are you, <laughs> are you for real right now? <laughs> Listen, this
1: is what happens when you have a 21-year-old talk to someone who's obviously gone through a lot more life and has a family and shit. You know what I mean? They just (laughs) got school.
0: Listen, (laughs) listen. (laughs) Listen, This is just coming from, like, my PhD in Wikipedia. There you go. you go. This isn't, like, particular. I just don't like reading about Neanderthals and how did humans get to be humans. Like, there was a time when there were Neanderthals and homo sapiens living at the same time. Uh-huh. And we used to interbreed with them and we used to fight with them. And then eventually homo sapiens dominated them.
1: Yeah. But do you think there's obviously cultures like the Roman and Greek society, I know in Japan yeah. too, as well, where like sexuality and stuff like that wasn't as taboo. And I feel like, do you think it's more of a Western thing or a Christian thing or stuff like that? Because like, as long, as far as we know, there's always been like gay people and all that stuff. So like, have oh, they always, had they always, I guess my question is, cause I guess, you know, more, you know more about me. You know more than me. Like, had they always just been looked down at? I don't
0: think. I don't think in every culture. Like, I know I had to read a book um, written by uh, a First Nations person, and they were just talking about how, like, they were learning about their own history of their Native American tribe and um, their particular tribe. Like before, uh, uh, Christian, you know, white people brought Christianity. They saw people who were uh, effeminate. Effeminate men were um, prized in the community, and gay men were prized in the community, and gay women were because they were seen as this kind of, and I'm roughly paraphrasing this, so anybody's more than welcome to correct me on it, and I don't want to sound Mm -hmm. insensitive, but it's like they they were prized in the community because they were seen to, encapsulate all the strengths of men and women in a single being yeah so i know in different cultures they've had different but there's always like taboos over over there's always some sort of sexual taboo in like every culture and they're all they can all be strange yeah that's fair
1: but but but, but like i'm not completely wrong when i say back in the day and maybe i should have been more clear like not worldwide, but like Alexander the Great, obviously at one point was very – he ruled a good chunk of the world. He's super gay. Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci too. And mm-hmm. you have a couple of musicians too. And I just feel like people – like I feel like when you – there's a point when you've done so much in your life and have – people like don't care as much. Because Alexander the Great, you never hear people talking about like the first thing they, they don't be like, oh, he was gay. It was like, oh, he was like crazy ruler and like had, mm-hmm. had a good chunk. Or Leonardo da Vinci. People the first thing they're like, oh, he's gay. You know what I mean? And I feel like back then that should have been like the first thing that popped up, but it wasn't. Mm -hmm. But they would have been doing a bunch of other,
0: like they were doing a bunch of other horrible things. Yeah. They might've been cool with like this idea of uh, inclusivity and Mm -hmm. everybody just getting along is like a 70 year old idea. I'm not saying it's, it's not false, true, good, bad, whatever. I'm saying it's a 70 year old idea in a human history. That's thousands of years old. And we talk about it as if it's a hu- universal human value. Yeah. But I think if you go through at least, I mean, Western European history is extremely divisive, extremely violent, extremely racist, extremely oh, yeah. like, and yeah, I yeah think there's no question. Extremely sexist. Like these ideas of feminism, inclusivity, These are relatively new, big ideas and the world's going through a cultural shift. And I think what like maybe an evolutionary biologist would say is the reason why humans were hateful, spiteful and racist is that when we were tribal, a new tribe could bring new diseases, could bring a whole bunch of new things that you didn't know or understand and could ruin your tribe. And so we just have always been suspicious of the other and of groups that were different from us and of the unknown. And so Mm -hmm. with the advances in medicine and science, you know, we don't have the same reason to be concerned over outsiders anymore. And so it's, to me, it's like maybe in the last 70 years, now that we've erased a lot of barriers, we're learning how to all get along with each other. But I think our programming for thousands and thousands of years prior to the last century, has been to fear and, and distance yourself from outsiders. Mm-hmm. That makes Cause they sense. were going to raid, mean... they were going to pillage, they're going to bring disease. You didn't know. Right. And there was safety in the in-group and, and we were afraid of outsiders and now we know there's no mm-hmm. reason to be afraid of outsiders, but we're, you know, we're 50 to 70 years into this social experiment. And um, mm-hmm. we've been doing things differently for a lot longer than that
1: yeah yeah no that makes sense I, I, i'm trying to think because i just feel like we we know in society the smaller the group is like there's not going to be as much homeless homicides there's not gonna be as much crime and like petty stuff but we also mm-hmm. know that the smaller the group is the more secluded and kind of let's say closed-minded it's very hard yeah. to find a very small group of people and have them be open-minded it doesn't matter what continent yeah. you're in you know what i mean oh, yeah so yeah, for sure so like so it's like when you live in a in a big city with, say, like a million, two million people, you're going to have diversity. Mm-hmm. You're also going to have more people. More people equals more chances of having crazy people that were are killing, you know, rapists, stuff like that. Yeah. So it, it, it it's weird, but, like, we've figured it out somehow because it's, like, it's good to have more people. But at the same time, it's, like, we, we just had to deal with a couple crazy people or mm-hmm. bad people, I guess. Yeah. So, so I guess when you put it like that, you are right. I'm just thinking, I'm like, how come in those days they had like inclusivity when people say like, oh, it was impossible and it was worse. And it was worse. But like a little, little tiny things like that for some reason weren't in those times. And I guess that was just the culture of that society in that certain place.
0: Like it might be like like there's like there's this tribe I had to learn about in like a general education course on anthropology. They're this small tribe in uh, Papua New Guinea, but they, um, for some reason, the men and the women live separately, except for like during the summer when they get together to breed, basically. Oh, wow. But they just, the men and women in the group hate each other. They have this animosity towards each other and then is part of a uh, ritual like, to advance in manhood, you're supposed to ingest the semen of elders in the tribe. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. <laughs> and and the younger boys have to, like... <laughs> get it. Like, it's, it's weird. Oh my God. It is extremely wait, 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 wait.
1: weird. And this happens today? Or is this something that happened? Up until the 1900s. <laughs> Holy shit. That's some crazy shit. We're... What? That's some crazy shit. I tell you, but at the same time, like,
0: did you ever watch the movie Midsummer? Yeah. Sorry. This is the Atoro tribe for anybody who's, who's, uh, dude, I got to look
1: into this. There needs to be a movie or TV show on this. Cause the reason you bring that up is because in Midsummer, um, the only reason I bring it up is in that movie, the shit that's going on in that cult is crazy. But to them, all the members in that community, they're like, Oh, like it's an honor to like mm-hmm. live that long and give your life. Like that's super normal. Like to them, when you're so engulfed in it, it's just the way of life. You don't even think of it as another option. Mm-hmm. So like, it's really hard to tell someone. Cause like, when we talk about the LDS church, that, that's like that's like nothing compared to this type of stuff we you're talking about. Cause the way that they've been integrated their whole life, you know, th- this is on a different level, but it's the same mm-hmm. mindset where it's just like, oh no, this is just the way of life. But when you take a step back, you're like, oh, that's not right. And it's hard mm-hmm. to correct someone and be like, your way of living is wrong. These people don't like hearing that.
0: Mm-hmm. So there's another there's another tribe that has a similar uh, – they're called the Simbari people also in uh, in Papua New Guinea. Um, so this is just taken from Wikipedia. Uh, they believe in the necessity of gender roles within their culture, relationships between men and women of all ages within the tribe or complex – With many rules and restrictions, for example, boys are removed from their mothers at age seven to strip them of uh, contact with their mothers. And they perform a bloodletting ritual uh, following isolation from their mothers to rid them of their mother's blood from within them, which is viewed as contaminated. The separation is due to the tribe's fear of the women as men are taught at a young age about the woman's ability to emasculate and manipulate men. The women possess what the Simbari called a Tingu. Um through which they use their manipulation skills to combat the women's sorcery. The men go through rites of passage in which they learn to have safely have intercourse with women without becoming metaphorically trapped. The women are also separated from the men when they go through their menstrual cycle.
1: Dude, I'm telling you, we, like, we live in a society like in, in a Western world where it's like we have the opportunity or we have these things, but, that are like, just we complain about minuscule stuff. And then you hear stuff like that, and you're like, what are we
0: complaining about? But that to them, that's normal. Like, it that's, uh, yeah. And so, anyway, the way they stopped doing that, and then so also the um, young boys are taught to perform fellatio on the elders and extract semen to ingest it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would view that as child abuse, but to them, that's, yeah. um, that's like becoming ordained a deacon. Um, yeah. It's just a rite of passage. It's like getting your chief, your eagle scout, and yeah. so just they actually the
1: mouthful of semen. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. And so there, this idea of like noble savages living in the wilderness. You know, if we were free from all our religion and stuff like that, we'd just be peaceful hunter gatherers. Okay, well, here's a tribe in the middle of nowhere, more isolated than any other tribe has ever been, and here's like crazy sexual mores and taboos seem to happen because people are crazy or people want to control something. It seems right. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So it turns out the Christian missions and the seventh day Adventists um, were the ones who got these people to stop doing this. Mm, That's crazy. In the 1970s, it seems. So, I mean, dude, why is there not like movies and TV shows about this? This is wild stuff. You got to go to university. You got to finish university. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't like, I learned my, what. I had a prof who just mentioned this culture in an anthropology course. We were learning about marriage and gender roles kind of, um, and kind of the futility of looking for a universal taboo. Like it's almost like if you can say, okay, 99% 99% of cultures think this thing is wrong. Like almost the goal of an anthropologist is to find a culture that does not find that thing as a yeah. taboo, right? Like that's how they get mm-hmm. published is somebody's like, no, nope, incest is a universal taboo. And then somebody's like, bam, nope, found this little weird tribe somewhere <laughs> where that's all they do. Wait. <laughs> that, this is how I'm getting published. Like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what you have to do. That's crazy. That's a right. really cool um, line of work, though, and a really cool line of study. That's that's really fascinating.
0: Yeah. So they just kind of, so they're just always looking for some other kind of variation, some other kind of way that people live that that challenges what we see as like universal right wrong. Like it's just very, it's very interesting. So I'm just saying, like this idea that at some point in time, if we just didn't have all this technology oh, and religion and capitalism. If we could all just peacefully be hunter-gatherers, we'd all be it's like, yeah, but then things would get messed up pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. In a definitely, different way. For sure. Yeah. for sure. And I
1: am definitely not trying to be like the preach. I'm not trying to be a preach like we need to go back to the old days, like farm your land, don't use the showers, don't use the don't use electricity bill. Like they got you. No, um <laughs> everyone just needs to chill out. Like chill the fuck out, grab a joint, get an edible in you, get some food in you. And we can talk Uh because I feel like people just freak out. It's just like, yeah, we do. My whole point was that, yes, we live in an amazing time. We have technology and medicine around us. But there are certain aspects that we can learn from any point in time, whether that be last year, whether that be like the first year, like the first time we were still like monkeys running around. Like there's still stuff to learn. Like there's certain behaviors that are instilled in us. But mm-hmm. like again, like we're we're ever changing because in fifty years we're gonna look back at us and be like we were fucking savages. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's the same oh, yeah. thing. That's yeah. why when people get wrapped up and like what you were thinking, like the white man, the white like like a certain lady, a certain person of color has to act like this or do that. And twenty in like seventy years we're gonna look back and be like, what the hell? Yeah. So it's it's just weird. It's we we, we live in a simulation. That's all I'm gonna say.
0: Oh yeah, we did a series on that, like we do. Now, we I, a, I love that. Yeah, we definitely do live in a simulated reality. Um, so what I think, like, okay, see, so we kind of got you are, track. You, are
1: spirit, you are spiritual because listen, when you were talking about the that whole series, I listened to that while I was high. I'm like, this is the most spiritual thing I've heard in my life since. And you know what? Maybe I'm just confusing like anything that's profound as spiritual. But when I heard that, I was like, "This is crazy way of thinking," because it's true. It's, it's just everything's different.
0: Well, you start like once you start to see it, you can't stop seeing it, right? Yeah, it, and, and that's uh, what
1: I mean. When I'm become, I become spiritual because I'm on a different plane of seeing that type of stuff. And maybe there are people, there are more people than I'm giving them credit for to actually think like that. But once you, once you see it and hear it, you can't really not unsee that,
0: right? Like I think what we're what you start to see, which is interesting, is that spirituality, as you're describing it, is somebody who's trying to actually get more in touch with reality and remove the amount of simulacra and simulation from their life. Mm-hmm. Right? And I've noticed like yeah. a big exodus, at least like in the city where I live in, people have this ideal of living on an acreage and doing farm work. Yeah as like a side hustle, like raising chickens and part of it. So there's like, there's tax advantages to having farmland, like the property tax is significantly lower. So that's a reason for some people, but even like movie stars, they like, I think it was Burt Reynolds. I can't remember ran like a very not profitable avocado farm because he just Mm -hmm. had this idea of becoming a farmer because there's this idea that it's like more in touch with reality. Right. And yeah. I need to go on a spiritual quest to India to find out about real spirituality. Like we're on a on a quest to find the real because I think we understand and recognize that our world is built on a lot of bullshit and symbols that that don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah,
1: no, exactly. So it's funny that you said that because I before you told me, I maybe you've mentioned it. Can, can you hear me or is your I, can is okay. oh, no, so I can hear you frozen. Okay. So I think yeah. maybe I think maybe you mentioned it in an earlier podcast episode, but I think you might have said that you weren't spiritual, but like when you were talking about that whole three part series and what you just yeah. said now, if I didn't know anything about you, I would be like this man's very spiritual because he thinks about these profound things. But in your head you're just like no, I'm just seeing the bullshit for what it really is.
0: Or I'm trying to. Like I'm trying to.
1: trying to. Yeah, trying to. to. Yeah, <laughs> trying to. Right. So, so um, it's funny that you don't consider yourself spiritual, but when you talk about that stuff like that, maybe you, I'm I'm like, damn, this guy like is spiritual. Like he thinks a lot, and he's like thinking about shit that people don't normally think about. But but in your head, you're just like, no, this is literally my field of study. This is what I do. Like I'm like, oh, so just crazy the different perspectives that people have on you.
0: That's true. I never thought about it. That I guess it's because like to me, spirituality is this association of it's still this association of making my feelings feel good about the things I'm doing, which Mm -hmm. is like Mormon spirituality. It's like, how do I make myself feel really happy about all this stuff that I don't want to do? How do I give myself good feelings in an endorphin rush about cleaning the toilets in the church? (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's Mormon spirituality. How do I get a high uh, you know, a spiritual high out of like reading the most boring watered down lesson manual ever. How do yeah, I, exactly. how do I feel really happy about singing the most boring hymn mm-hmm. ever written? Listening to the worst talks ever given. How do yeah, I, it's just so, boring. how do I get to convince myself to find this is a, a moving, emotionally moving experience that I will go home and and testify with tears in my eyes to my wife and children, of yeah. and so that's when I say I'm I'm like I discard all of that, this association with trying to get some kind of feeling.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Those those kinds of feelings were ruinous; they were just destructive to me in so many ways that I never want to have a eureka moment again. I never want to feel that those feelings that I had those spiritual feelings of burning in the bosom, Mm
1: -hmm. all
0: those kinds of things did nothing to really help me ever other than to stay in the church. That's all they ever helped me do. And I never want to feel that way because all that those feelings do is help me stay in a thing that might not be good for me. Mm -hmm. So why I like that tool, that life tool, was completely useless and it needs to be discarded for me. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a hundred percent. See, say thank you very much for sharing that. That was very uh, personal and vulnerable, but like that. See, now that you say that, I'm like, Oh, that makes a hundred. That makes, that makes sense. Like, Oh, if I were, you'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know? That CB's for me it was like I never felt anything. So I was just like once I felt something that people other people may call spiritual I'm like, "Oh, this is the best feeling ever because what you just talked about, all those like eureka moments for me it was just like this I don't feel anything when I'm supposed to." So right, when you do right. something that when you do something like you take shrooms or smoke pot and it's like you could you could potentially feel spiritual or like euphoric, I'm like, mm-hmm. "This is what you're supposed to feel, but I know that this is way better than something fake could ever have a hold on me." Mm -hmm. He's like, it's impossible to like, if you live your life based on those Eureka moments, you're setting yourself up for failure. I don't care Mm -hmm. if you're the prophet or Vednar, but I don't care who you are. You're setting yourself up for failure. Mm -hmm. So we've conned smart people
0: into believing shit. Mm -hmm. So then like in terms of developing spirituality, post Mormonism, what would you say is like your – like if you had a five-point survival guide for developing post-Mormon spirituality, what would you say? Mm-hmm. Oh, five points. Or three. I don't know. Uh, uh, I got to do three.
1: Two. Okay. One. <laughs> so I, I think for me it's just like you really have to not be in a phase. Because if you're still in that you, – you guys talked about this so much. If you're in that phase where you're an ex-Mormon but you're still thinking like a Mormon mm-hmm. – you're not going to be able to get to that point. You really have to do your best to isolate yourself, at least your mind, when you think about this type of stuff from your, from how you were as an, as an LBS person, you know, because I, maybe you can, but I just don't know how, because I wouldn't have been able to come to this realization like six months ago or eight months ago. Mm -hmm. But once you get yourself out of that warped way of thinking as a Mormon, and once and then when you're ex-Mormon, you 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 see all the bullshit, but you're still thinking like one. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if you, especially if you grew up like me. There's people who are converts who maybe can go back to original way of thinking about me since I was born there. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up thinking like that. So once I got that, I was able to like what do I actually want to do with my life? Like, am I okay with drugs or is that just like a whole Mormon thing, you know? And mm-hmm. for me, that's what it was. But for other people, it's like, what What do you actually want to do? What do you want to do with your life? What actually interests you? Like, don't bullshit. What actually gets you excited? What's that eureka moment for you? What's that like, oh, I feel good. Not this. I want to make myself feel good about singing the weird, weirdest song at church. So for me, that would be, you have to get out of that way of thinking. That's uh-huh. the first step. And then the second thing, find, find out the best journey in this life, I feel like besides being married, is like, your journey with yourself what do, what do you like what do you not like what do you want what mm-hmm. sounds good to you how do you take care of yourself when do you feel best and people don't do that enough especially now mm-hmm. they just yeah. look, it's, it's, it's looked down to take care of yourself and I, there are people who are trying to make sure you take better care of yourself and like you said there's also an extremist way of doing that that can be bad but it's so taboo now but they take time to take care of yourself mm-hmm that's, that's my two, two things of advice, change your way of thinking and take care of yourself. Okay. Actually learn to love yourself because I hated I've hated myself my whole life. Yeah. And it's only been up until six months ago where I'm like, I actually like myself. Like I'm starting to, I, I love myself. And that was impossible to say for 21 mm-hmm. years
0: of my life. Yeah. Now I can say similar for myself for like 30 years of my life. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah always thinking about how I, uh, all the things I need to do to improve like never being good enough for anything. Um, always had to focus on getting better. Uh, like I was never good enough just the way I was. Right. And so it's like, I think it's good to be driven and always trying to improve yourself. But at the same time, you got to be able to take stock, look back on the things you've achieved and say, I am capable. I can do this. You know, Mm -hmm. listening to a podcast about running and, and uh, so what happened to this guy? He was, um, he was trying to improve his mile time or something like that. And he just couldn't, he just couldn't get past it. And so he was running a track race and every lap they call out the time, like the lap time. And they called it out wrong and they missed his lap time by like 15 seconds or something like that. So he thought he was running 15 seconds faster than what he actually was, and he was feeling good. And so because he thought he was running 15 seconds faster per lap, he started running 15 seconds faster per lap for the rest of the race
1: mm-hmm. and then
0: was able to push through his personal best. And so he's just talking about the, the power of the mind and breaking through your mental limits when mm-hmm. you're trying to improve your running speed and stuff like that. And I guess something that sports psychology has found, which is interesting, is if you're running and you start thinking this is really hard, your body will start slowing down. But if you start thinking to yourself, and it's interesting, you don't think I can do this. You have to think you can do this. You have to like depersonalize Mm -hmm. it a little bit. But for some reason, if you just start saying you can do this, you can do this, then your body doesn't just start slowing down, like you'll keep your pace or you'll speed up. And so the mental dialogue, the mental dialogue you develop as a member of the church is life is really hard. Life is really hard. There's a great reward at the end. And I think a lot of people struggle with motivation, anxiety and depression because their internal dialogue is always like thinking about how hard everything is and all the crap they have to do. Instead of discarding, discarding all the crap they don't have to do. And then just being their own cheerleader and saying, you can do this. You can do this. You're competent. You're confident. You're able. Look at all the things Mm -hmm. you've done before in your life that prove you deserve to be where you're at right now. You can do this. Mm -hmm. And then you can push through your limits. Right. Um, But I think I know we've had a past guest who talks about how she struggles with imposter syndrome because of the messaging of the church that she was never good enough. And so when she, you know, is praised or, or receives a, a commendation from from uh, her supervisors, it's very, very hard for her to accept that because the church program oh, her yeah. belief she wasn't good enough, right? Yeah.
1: Well, well, even now, like, I just had, like, two interviews with, like, a really big company you know? Mm-hmm. And they were like talking about hiring me and they're like, yeah, we can get you set up. And in my head, I was just like, oh, it's not really a big deal. It's just whatever. Like, that's that's what's expected me of anyway. Like, I, like, mm-hmm. like, I should be getting that. And I remember like telling people about it and like, they would like react really strongly. And I'd be like, why are they reacting that way? I'm like, that's what I was supposed to do. Like, there wasn't, there wasn't no option but to do that. Mm-hmm. And then later that night, I was thinking, I'm like, wait, hold on. Like, no, that was like a Big achievement, and like that wasn't just something a fluke. Like I'm proud of myself for getting to that point because I never thought I would. Like I've been talking about getting to to that point for years, and now I'm there. But like mm-hmm. in my head, it was just like, what well, what other option did you have? Like th- like that was expected of you. You're the male; you have to have a good job. You know mm-hmm. what
0: I mean? Yeah.
1: So it is crazy once you like, like I'm I'm still wrapped in that thinking sometimes. That's how
0: bad mm-hmm. it is. Me too. Me too. Um, but I think that running podcast that I listened to and it, they were just saying that you've got to, for some reason, when you depersonalize the language, so when you change it from, I can do this to you can do this, or I deserve this to you deserve this, like talking to yourself in the second person, it, that ends up being more of a motivating internal dialogue. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough. So, um, Yeah. Okay. Any other thoughts on post Mormon spirituality? No, I mean
1: I, I don't know what more I can say. Okay. What, 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 what did they say in the scriptures? What more can I say? Was...
0: <laughs> <laughs> be wise. be yeah, wise. What can I say yeah. more? What can I say more? Be wise. <laughs> yeah. What can you I know, say? my 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 mission president said that to us a lot of the times when we'd ask questions, like, "Can we listen to Disney music?" He'd just be like, Obi-Wise, what can I say more? We Or if in Zone Conference somebody's like, what if you have like a real spiritual lesson, but it causes you to be home late by two minutes? You know, he'd uh-huh. just be like, I don't know. Like, Obi-Wise, what can I say more? That was just yeah. his – every time somebody would ask like a real detailed, annoying question, that was his answer. So I would actually – I could publicly thank my mission president for being a down-to-earth Semi-normal guy, because yeah. he, from the stories I hear from other people, he probably saved the mission experience from being a complete and total write-off by being yeah. as normal and down earth as what he was.
1: Yeah, because some mission I mean, presidents
0: are psycho. It bro, just make the whole
1: thing a write-off. My first mission president was like, if you arrive a second after nine at your apartment, you have to call me. And I was like, and he had and he you have he had he had the power to convince young men to call him if they arrived at nine one at their apartment to report tell them they were they were late. Right?
0: Like, yeah. So I can thank my mission present because I have looked back, the more I reflect on the mission, I say that was a waste of time. Yeah. But he saved it from being like something that I can totally write off in my brain by being yeah. so normal. So Anyways, any other thoughts for you, Mr. Uh, Samuel?
1: No, just to quote your mission president. What more can, what more can I say? Can I you say? wise. Yeah.
0: That's the, All that's right.
1: the, it's a full circle. Yeah. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. There you go.